Special thank you to Isaac Romano for setting the shear up and getting all of the technical issues out of the way. And a special thank you to Torah Anytime for sharing this particular shear and thousands of others to people uh, across the world. I think one basic necessity in human nature is the desire to be happy, to feel content, to feel that I'm living a purposeful life. And when we feel sad, we feel disappointed, we feel rejected, that's obviously it's a very bad place to be in. But I happen to think that even more devastating than feeling it sour, than going through a tragedy or going through a difficult time is when I don't feel anything at all. When I'm numb. I could be disconnected from spirituality. I could feel removed from Torah, separated from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And I'm lacking Hargosha. I'm lacking that emotional connection to anything. And oftentimes it's felt in our relationships. We could be deeply in love with a spouse, with a child, with a friend. But then after a while, things begin to get stale. And I no longer have the same appreciation. I no longer see the radiance of your soul the way I used to. So more than feeling pain, a greater devastation than feeling any level of anguish is not feeling anything at all. We have the Neged Saras, this is the discussion we have in Parshas Tazri and Mitzorah, where the Torah tells us, Odem ki ba'or b'soro se'es o sepachas o beheres, v'ay ba'or b'soro l'neged saras. What is the definition? What is the translation of tzaras? So Uncleus tells us, l'michtash sagiru. It's an illness of sagiru. Sagor means closed. It's an illness where we're closed in. It explains the Nesiva Shalom. Obviously, there's a lot to tzaras that we will never understand until we're able to see it and experience again. But one idea, one insight into the maka or the machla of tzaras is that there's some feeling of isolation. There's a hargasha of being closed off. And explains in the Siva Shalom, Machtesh Sagiru, Ainu Machla Shel Sagirus. It's a feeling of being totally isolated. And the Zohar explains, Negetzeras is Negohu Dina Takifa Sharia Ba'ama. It's a particular illness that will reign in the world. Tzeras Sagiru. Tzeras means you are enclosed, you are constricted. Not in the sense that we're accustomed to, where we're confined to our homes, but something much deeper. Hainu Shinulim Befanov Kol Shari Haora Visogur Befanov Kol Hatova Elyon. It's a state where all of the gates of light are closed. All of the clarity, all of the vision, all of my feelings of spiritual connection are no longer there. I am living in a state of Sagur. 
I am totally out of touch with human emotion. This is one level of tzeras, and therefore explains the Nesiva Shalom. Although we don't have the classic machla of tzeras nowadays, we are all plagued by this feeling of apathy. We are all struggling, not with feelings of pain, feelings of anguish, and feelings of disappointment. We have those as well. But perhaps even more devastating is the fact that often we don't feel at all. I'm not really participating. I'm not being mishtatev. I'm not in his simcha. They've been waiting years and years to have a child, and I hear about it, and okay, mazel tov, that's so wonderful. But I don't really feel their joy. We know so many people who have lost parents, who have lost children in the last few weeks. And it's so sad to read, but sometimes we feel a disconnect. It's hard to really put ourselves in their place if it's not directly impacting us. This is a ramification, this is an example, says the Nesiva Shalom, of a modern-day tzaras. He says, we know the tefillah that was said by Moshe Rabbeinu, we find this in Tehillim. Hotziya mimazke nafshi. David HaMelech, Moshe Rabbeinu, they cry out to Hashem, release me from the chains of my neshama. I'm shackled down, I'm restricted, I'm restrained. Because oftentimes the neshama is not out readily apparent. We're not able to tap into the wellspring of emotion. And, Libo Sogar, my heart is closed. My feelings are covered up. The mind of a heart. The mind of a Jew and the heart of a Jew. The feelings of Judaism. It should be indigenous within us to feel this automatic attraction to any Dover Shibakadusha, anything that's holy, anything that's sanctified. When we're in the realm of Shabbos and Yantav says the Nasiva Shalom, we should feel the Vishama Yasera. <coughs> we should feel a Baruch Hu. But oftentimes we don't. And feeling nothing is so incredibly, so incredibly depressing. We say, Al Chait Shechatadnu Lifanecha Al Simhon Levav. The literal translation of that is we say, Please forgive us for the Chait of confusion. Simhon Levav. But the way Rashi understands those words, Simhon Levav means Otim Halev, apathy, numbness. My heart is ke'evin, it's like a stone. I'm not feeling my own joy the way I should. I'm not feeling my own pain the way I could. Somehow I'm disconnected, I'm removed. I'm sogor, I'm closed in. That's a modern day example of the Negetzeras. want to share with you a beautiful idea from Rav Kook. Rav Kook in his Sefer, Tzav Vizirus, he speaks about this need. The need to, to feel and to be loved and to give love. 
He writes, the human soul relishes sensation, not only if it's a pleasant feeling, but for the very experience of stimulation. Sooner sadness or some deep pain, rather than the boredom of no stimulation at all. People watch distressing scenes and listen to heartbreaking stories just to get stimulation. Such is human nature. So he who is wise will fulfill this need with passionate tefillah and Torah learning. But the soul whose divine service is without emotion will have to find stimulation elsewhere. It will either be driven to cheap, even forbidden sensation or pleasures, or it will become emotionally ill from the lack of stimulation. Rav Cook is sharing with us such an incredibly deep insight. As human beings, we need to feel something. And if we're not getting our emotional fix, we're not getting that spiritual injection within the realm of Torah and mitzvot, then we will look elsewhere. And the Jewish neshama, which is in the neshama boeris, which is so incredibly passionate and powerful and radiant, if I'm not finding it here because of my lack of exposure, my lack of education, trauma from my childhood, whatever it may be, I'm not going to just go on with life being apathetic. I need to find that. I need to experience that. And I'll look wherever I have to, to get that hanal, to get that pleasure. But the neshama is constantly searching for that emotional connection. And if we can't find it within the world of the Torah, we're in grave danger. So I wanted to share with you briefly this evening two ideas in how to combat the negatsaras. How to combat the negatsaras that we all face. The otim halev, the numbness of the heart, feeling of disconnection, the apathy in so many areas of life. I'd like to share with you two practical suggestions. The first is an idea that we find in the Medrash Tanchuma. Where the Medrash tells us that Binayahu ben Yoyada ben Ishchai. Ben Yoyahu ben Yoyada was the son of Ishchai, of a man who was living. Says the Medrash, what kind of statement is that? Is it possible to be the son of somebody who's dead? Of course he's Ben Ishchai. So explains the Medrash Tanchuma. A person who's a Russia, a person who's not in tune with spirituality, a person who's not really locked in to the grandeur and the glory and the splendor of the Niflot Tabore. So then you're like you're dead even when you're alive. The Tzadikim, Tzadikim are those who can appreciate the world around them, are those who are open eyes and, and, and open hearts and embracing others and embracing life. But the Russia sees the rising of the sun, and he doesn't make a bracha. Shokas, he sees the beautiful sunset, but he's not moved to express his niflos habara, his awe of creation. He's eating, he's drinking, he's consuming from the world. But he doesn't make a bracha. Avot tzaddikim, but those of us who try 
to tap in to the beauty and the gift of life. We make a bracha on everything, on eating, on drinking, on seeing beautiful sights, praising Hashem for creating the sun and the illumination. The difference between the tzaddik and a rush explains the Medrash is not just a very superficial differentiation where you do bad things and you do good things. The difference is, am I appreciating the world around me? Am I seeing more than meets the eye? That's a tzaddik. And then a filah b'misasan, even when a tzaddik passes away, they're still considered alive. Russia, even in this world, they're considered dead. If we're able to appreciate the things and the people that we've seen and we've known and we've experienced for years and perhaps decades, but if we're able to look at everything with a new pair of eyes and to have a deeper recognition, to see beyond what's right in front of me, that brings a whole different level of simcha sachayim that stirs up the emotion. I'm not willing to continue based on my hair goal, based on my habit, based on my dry routine, but I want to feel more, I want to know more, I want to discover more about the world, I want to discover more about myself. Then you're really alive. If we're not doing that, then we're dead, even though we're breathing. Revolba writes that there's a concept of drisha. Drisha means exploration. Drisha is that I'm searching. Koach hadrisha yesh chius. When we're living a life of drisha, that we're constantly trying to get deeper and see beneath the surface in Torah, in mitzvot, in relationships, then yesh chiyus, then we're really alive. Ein etzim hadrisha v'achipus machalil adam. That mindset, that personality, that constant search gives life to a human being. Umagam ka'ashehu zoha legalos, mashem mischave betoka Torah. If we're able to uncover something, within Torah, getting a deeper insight into any aspect of Torah. If we're able to discover something within creation, it doesn't mean that I have to be an archaeologist, but I myself am seeing something new that I never picked up on before. And in the most profound sense, if I could find something new within me, discover a motivation, discover something that's pulling me in a particular direction that may be taking me away from seeing things with clarity and yashros. Those discoveries only come through drisha, through probing, through exploring, through searching. And when we live a life of drisha, then yesh chiyut, then we're really alive. If we're lacking the drisha, then it's considered as if we're dead. When Revolba speaks about the importance of learning Musr, he says that there are two separate worlds. There's a world of Yediyah, of intellectual knowledge, and then there's the Olam HaHargasha. There's a world of emotional, deep-rooted feelings. It's possible to have many deep ideas. 
it's possible to have read very insightful, very inspiring svarim. Of a lichyos ba'omek hu inyan acher, but to be able to transition from dabbling intellectually in the world of Amkus in depth and make that part of who I am and how I live. Lichyos ba'omek, to live with depth, that's an entirely different avoda. Imkol yedios hatovos, with all of your wonderful insights and all of the beautiful sources that you have and the morale that you've read through it's still possible to live in a very superficial very external way to live a life where you're sagur you're closed in he says when you take a step back and we look at the world amuka ma'od hi habriya the Bria is so incredibly profound. We look in the stars, we look into outer space, and we just take that moment to pause and reflect upon the reality that there are hundreds of billions of galaxies. Every galaxy is hundreds of light years, hundreds of thousands of light years. It's so incredibly vast. And we think about all of the millions and millions of exotic creatures and miles and miles under the sea, dancing in darkness. There is so much chachma, there is so much intricacy in the Bria. Amut ma'od historia. If we just look into history, we don't have to go back to ancient history. We can look back into our contemporary history. Not that long ago, the creation of Eretz Yisrael and the wars that were fought in. Everything is a nace. But with all of that, we could still live in a very superficial way. He says, sometimes we look up to the heavens for what point, for what purpose? Just to see if whether or not I need to take an umbrella. But how often do we look up to the heavens just to gaze, just to be consumed by the beauty, to allow ourselves to be awestruck? That we may never do. I'm totally close to the majesty, to the lofty reality of the Shemayim. We could read the newspaper, and now we're following the news very closely. And we can see the Hashkachas Hashem. We can see there are certain things that are so incredibly obvious. This is the Boreola. And there is no way of denying Kaddish Baruch who is orchestrating every aspect of life. But we can still live a life of Pashtus, of simplicity. He says, even the Amkin Hamiti, even one who knows how to learn well, who's been doing so for many years, who could delve into a Gemara, which is the greatest thing in the world. He could still live in his own personal life, like someone who's simple, like someone who's superficial. In order to combat Negetzeras, in order to somehow rise above this natural hurdle, the habit the fact that we've seen things before and therefore they no longer impress us. We've been in this particular family structure for a long time 
and therefore I don't feel the same emotional connection. Only way to rise above that, says Revolba, is we have to dig deeper and see things and see aspects of the Bria and factors that we haven't recognized or appreciated until this point. One of the, the great Hasidish Rebbe's living in Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Yisrael Husatan, he was well into his 90s and uh, he was not doing well. He was in the hospital, a Susa hospital in Tel Aviv. And for the last few weeks of his life, he had many Hasidim come and they were Mavakachola. They wanted to serve him and to do whatever possibly they could to, uh, to ease his situation. And as he was growing weaker, he would be mumbling softly to himself, to Philos, be turning to Hashem, Malchuscha, Malchuscha, Kol Olamim. However, he was stuck inside this hospital room for a while, and intuitively the Rebbe understood that his uh, final moment, Ba'olam Hazah, was coming fairly soon. So he made the request. He said, is it possible just to take me in the bed? He couldn't even get up in the wheelchair. But to push me in the bed and take me outside. And there was some level of commotion. It wasn't so clear that the nurses would allow him to do so. They had policies. Eventually, though, probably through having some connections and speaking to the right people, they were able to, uh, to take the Rebbe outside. And the Hasidim were watching him very carefully, just wanting to see what would he do? What was the point of looking at nature? So the Rebbe just sat there in his bed, looking around with open eyes. And then he closed his eyes tight and he started saying the stanza we have in Yedin Nefesh. Adur Ziv HaOlam. How incredibly majestic. Ziv HaOlam, the radiance of the world. Nafshi Cholas Avasecha. My Neshama is sick in love with you, Hashem. Hadur he just wanted to see the Berea. He wanted to be exposed to the world one more time in order to be able to express his Hakaras his deep appreciation for what a beautiful and majestic world we live in. Chobos Levavos tells us that this is one of the most powerful ways to feel more connected and to get out of any level of being sogur, being closed in. The Rebbeinah B'chaya tells us that b'chol ma'ashayesh ba'olam, everything and anything in the world, mikatne habrios v'gedolehem, from the tiniest microscopic viruses to things that are so small we can't detect them with the naked eye, and things that are so incredibly massive we can see from light years away. Says there been a Bahaya, look at them, explore them, learn more about them. Abruyim betachtonim valyonim, betachunas hagagalim. Appreciate the sky, appreciate the sun. Reach, the kochavim, the omdim, the hochim, the yeridas gishamim. Walk outside when it's raining. Don't always be afraid of rain. Enjoy it, feel it. 
Embrace it. The neshivas haruchos and the blowing of the winds, the yitzias havlad mitrachem, and a child coming out from his mother's womb. Focus on it. Everything is nisim. Everything is a yad Hashem. Amorim al mimos chachmaso. Everything the everything in the world demonstrates and expresses the greatness, the vastness of the universe, and the total control, the total hafkacha of Hashem Yisbarach. However, the Rebbeinu Bechaya cautions us. He says, sometimes we don't allow ourselves to take the time or put in the effort to really appreciate the world around us because we've been there before. It's hard to appreciate something. I've seen that for so many years. When you think of a child, they get excited over anything and everything. Because for them, in their mind, little toddlers walking around, always exploring, always discovering, the world is so much to offer. Everything is geschmack, everything is real, everything is vivid. I remember walking by, she's my second oldest, now she's 10 years old, but I would walk when she's two from uh, the babysitter back to our apartment in Queens. And it was only a couple of blocks. But along the way, we would always run into pigeons. And New York pigeons are not exotic, they're not pretty, and they're nothing like we have here in Florida. However, every time we would see a pigeon, and this would go on every day, probably for months, she would immediately point at it, bird, bird, bird! And she was blown away by the pigeon. And I tried to tell her, it's a gross little animal. Let's not stand here and spend five minutes looking at it. But obviously, from her perspective, it was the coolest thing in the world. A little creature with wings that could fly. That's amazing. Why does that get less amazing as we grow older? It doesn't. We just get numb. We get closed in. We no longer allow it to satisfy that urge, that curiosity. I no longer have a curiosity. And I become a dull, boring human being. Says the Rebbein Abtaya, don't allow the regilus. Don't allow the fact that you've seen many things before to, uh, to take that away or to stop you from appreciating the miracle of every aspect of life, the miracle of every relationship, the miracle of consciousness, the miracles of time and space. He says the difference between a human being who lives with, in the terminology of Revolba, the koach adrisha, where you're always searching, you're always exploring, you're always finding more out about the world around you and about the people around you, trying to appreciate a new angle, a new subtlety, and someone who doesn't live like that, but they're just doing their thing. I'm on my phone right now, I don't have the time or patience to look around me. I don't have the time or patience to have a conversation with you. I'm just doing my thing in my own little limited world. The difference between those two human beings is the difference between someone who can see and somebody who is blind, The difference between being able to see and not having the koach of vision.
That's a massive difference. But that's the difference. Are you alive? Is there chiyas? There's chiyas only through drisha, and without drisha, we're not really living. <laughs> the second idea I'd like to share in how we combat the modern-day negatives of trying to open ourselves to become more emotional, to become more connected, is based on a letter from the stipler bone. Rabbi Yaakov Yisrael Kanievsky, the great father of Rav Kanievsky, he writes a letter to a young man who was struggling with his own Avodah Hashem. And this young man was explaining to the stipler that he no longer has a tam. He doesn't have a, a in the learning he's in yeshiva, in the mitzvot that he's trying to, to be mekayim. Can you give me an eitzah? Can you give me some suggestion to get back that feeling? I miss it so badly. So one of the eitzahs of the stipler is ki his orer hergesh ledover echad. He says to the Bachar, if you're able to awaken real emotion for one area of life, you could choose one aspect of Avodah Hashem, but it's not limited to Avodah Hashem. We could choose one aspect of the Bria, anything and everything, to be able to hap his spilos, to be able to feel something. You become a different human being. You're able to transform yourself into a person who was sober, who was trapped, who wasn't able to tap into the wellspring of emotions, and you're able to transform yourself into the Adam Hamargish, someone who really does feel, someone who can share in someone's simcha, they could be no sil ol b'chavero. They could share in the pain of others as well. If you could open up the wellspring of hargasha, of true emotion, for any area of life, explains the stipler, then it will just overflow. And you'll have more of a time in learning. And you'll have more of a connection to mitzvahs. So I think the second idea for us we have to find those areas that really get us going. And that requires some thinking. Uh, oftentimes at my Shabbos table, when we have Yeshiva Bachram over, one question I like to ask is, what's your favorite hobby? And nowadays, many, many young men say, I don't really have a hobby. If a person's into learning, Baruch Hashem, I learn about my chazer and Bein Hastarim, I have my projects, that's the greatest thing in the world. But without a hobby, without some kind of outlet that energizes you, you might be missing this Eitzah. You might be missing that one area that really brings on the emotion that could flow over to all other aspects of Avodas Hashem. Person, I enjoy hiking. I like being outside. Or I really love playing the guitar. Anything that could be an outlet, it could be music, 
be artistic, it could be learning about geometry, but if there's something that really moves you, that really opens up the Hargasha, then, says the stipler, you become an Adam HaMargish. You could transform yourself. You could fulfill the feel of responsibility and find something in life that really intrigues you. Connect with that emotionally, and then the emotions open and have many ramifications in all areas of life. I wanted to share with you just a few parts of a letter. This is a letter written by one of the daughters of Ramatis Bloom, Zecher Tzadik Ramatis Bloom tragically passed away recently from COVID-19. And he was an outstanding Talmud Chacham. He was the Mechaber. He was the author of many Svarim, Torah Ledas, brilliant Svarim that you'll find in many, many Bate Midrash across the world. He was a Talmud of Rav Avram Pam, and he learned the Torah Ledas for many years. He was just a wellspring of information, of Chedushim, of stories. And his daughter wrote an amazing letter and I want to share with you just a couple of lines here, but I think it really brings home the message of the stipler. Having a personality where you're able to enjoy life, able to do things with the family, with the children, that brings out a hargasha, that transforms not only yourself, but the mishpacha and all of those related and connected and associated with you to b'nei hargasha. She writes that he was a fun father. He took us to parks where he loved to marvel at all the interesting specimen blooming flowers. And he watched us race across the open fields. That's the prophet. Twelve years prior, she tragically lost her mother. There are ten siblings in the family. And their mother passed away twelve years ago. And now, just recently, their father passed away from COVID-19. He taught us how to skip stones in the water and fly kites. He drove us to Jones Beach at 6 o'clock in the morning, in the late spring, in the late summer, so that we could wade in the cold, frothy water and jump over the rolling tides. We never became, we even became members of the fish hatchery, which was as exciting as it sounds. We would peer at eggs floating in fish tanks and gawk at a 50-year-old gigantic turtle who moved an inch every month or so from Chola Moed, Sukkot to Chola Moed Pesach. When we were young, he told us stories of the Shabbos table. He sat at the head of the table with his safer next to his plate, relating stories at Midrashim to us, Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein's curious Shilas Vachuvas he would share with us, Hilcho Shabbos, we would hazard together. One fun part of the Suda would be the times when my father read us the question addressed to a social worker in a children's magazine. And then he would think up of his own answer. For example, the most memorable question was, Dear Libby, I have two issues. First of all, my brother always bothers me. Secondly, I can never manage to save up enough money. Daddy's spontaneous solution was, sell your brother. You have two birds with one stone. She writes, on my last 
phone call conversation with my father. I was driving home from Costco after an unsuccessful attempt to buy toilet paper. I lamented to Daddy that now, of all times, my boys think that it's a great activity to unravel the toilet paper in the bathroom. Without missing a beat, he solved my problem. Squash it! When the roll of toilet paper is flattened, it is not worth the toddler's time to try to pull it apart. After we both got a very good laugh, I was laughing so hard that tears were squeezing out of my eyes, he added, I didn't raise 10 kids without learning a thing or two. He used to dance with my brothers when they made a seum or started learning something new. It was a three-man picha teras li tov. In between the fish tank and the dining room table, they would dance. Then Daddy distributed wafers or yummy treats to us jealous girls. He would point us off and he would start by saying, Torah is the best there. And we would conclude, we would chime in, Schora. And he would sing with us, Torah is the best there. Schora. Although my father was extremely busy, he had time, all the time in the world for me. For the years after my mother was in Nefteris, when her mother passed away 12 years prior, he would stand next to me at the table near his study, schmoozing with me when I came down to take out a package of cheese from the fridge, rubbing my shoulders when I cried, or standing silently, just looking at me and conveying his love in a fatherly way. A few months after my mother passed away, three-year-old Shulamis asked me one evening, can we call mommy on the phone just like we call daddy? I had to explain to her that there are no phones in Shemayim. There are no phones in Shemayim and we cannot speak to our parents on the phone. I cannot call my father, I cannot call my, fa my mother. Hashem, you arranged this. As my little brother Hanach said, Hashem did the best thing for us because if it wasn't the best thing, he would not have done it. As my big sister told me softly on Friday, Hashem is good. Hashem, please help me be macabre this. Please help us all get through these very difficult times. The Negitzeras, Machdish Saguro, according to the Nesiva Shalom, means that we're all trapped. We're all trapped and confined, and sometimes we don't feel the hargoshos, the emotions of life. And when we have this sense of disconnect, that's the most devastating thing in the world. The way to break free, we've suggested two very basic ideas. First and foremost, we have to take responsibility. We are not a victim to negativas. We don't have to fall and crumble based on the fact that we're not feeling what I want to or what I should be feeling. But we have to take it into our own hands and we have to revitalize those feelings through see new things in the old be able to look at the Bria and really appreciate and learn something new marvel at this world marvel at people see more than meets the eye and the second suggestion is to be able as much as possible to find the life with awakening if you have a massive dam holding back a raging river, all you have to do is find one area of weakness and break open the dam to allow the water to rush forth. 
The emotions are there. The love is within us. We don't have to create love. We don't have to create the hargasha. We have to take it. We have to draw forth from the neshama. Find one area of emotion, of motivation, and that spreads, that changes us to b'nei hargasha. When we change ourselves to b'nei hargasha, when we're able to live with a deeper sense of appreciation and we're able to have those emotional connected moments and experiences, then we change people as well. And we create that atmosphere in the family. I want to end with a, a story that I think really brings home the point. It's not about what we say, it's not about what we do, but it's about who we are. And who we are can change the way that other people feel and can inspire and uplift our family and our friends around us. This took place years ago in London. There was a poetry recital in a large auditorium. And the finalists of the competition were given one last poem to recite. It was the 23rd Psalm. The obvious winner was a young gentleman whose rendition of the psalm was perfect. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He restores my soul, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The audience responded with thunderous applause. It was clear he was the winner. They awarded him the trophy, but then suddenly an elderly Eastern European Jew called out from the crowd. He said, excuse me, judges, would it be all right if I had a chance to recite the, the capital as well? I said, what's a capital? Can I have a turn saying that paragraph of Psalms? And the judges were amused. Okay, please go for it. And the crowd watched this man, eager to hear what he had to say. As he was saying that capital of Tehillim, there is a reverent hush that fell over the crowd. Many people were moved to tears. The winner received his prize, and the young man, holding the trophy, approached the gentleman, and he said, this really belongs to you. Your, your rendition was just so incredibly powerful. I, I don't feel comfortable keeping this. And the older man said back, no, listen, I wasn't in the competition. You did a wonderful job. You deserve to keep it, cherish it. The young man said, okay, I will. I'll hold on to the trophy. But I'm going to ask you one question. What was it that when I was reciting that verse of Psalms, the crowd was silent, and then when I finished, there was a roaring applause. When you said the exact same words, the Lord my shepherd, people were brought to tears. Why such a different reaction? And the older Jewish man replied, there's only one difference between you and me. I know the shepherd. When we know the shepherd, when we're living with not just an intellectual association, but we're living with an emotional relationship Shem and the Torah, we're breaking out of that, that sagur, of that closed state, 
then it's not just going through the motions, but it's living a life with the shepherd, with a real yadiyah, with a real intimate relationship with the shepherd. Then what we say, as we try to influence, as we try to uplift, as we try to come, it's coming from a whole different source. The panemius hanefesh has been transformed. Now b'nei hargasha. Sometimes we joy, sometimes we feel but the thing we will never allow ourselves to feel is apathy. Numbness, callousness, total disconnect from my brothers and sisters, that's something that I can't bear. We should all be zochet to have tremendous yatadishmaya, and Hashem should shower us with bracha Helping us to become real Hargasha, coming closer to the Torah and inspiring others to do so as well.